Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Welcome to your show. Here's my mom, Amanda Wacky. It's Amanda Radke with the Heart of Rural America. We've got a really special show planned today, and I really appreciate you all for tuning in to the first couple episodes, for downloading and subscribing, and your your kind comments and and feedback. This show can only be as good as the community that has helped to build it. And so your feedback is so valuable to me. We're going to continue to tweak and grow and evolve. And so uh, all of your comments have been very wonderful as we kind of lay the foundation for what I hope this show will be. And to me, the primary driver of this show is to really showcase and bring to light and tell the stories of people in rural America who have a ton of heart, a ton of passion, a ton of knowledge, and they're doing good things in their communities or for this country or for American agriculture. I, I want to lift up and inspire and, and show these people that are, are real leaders in our community that often uh, do a lot of thankless work behind the scenes to help us all to maintain our property rights, to allow us to continue to do what we do on the land and in agriculture and in raising our kids in rural America. And I couldn't think of a better person when I started making my wish list of show guests than who I'm about to introduce. Her name is Mindy Patterson. She is the president of the Cavalry Group. And wow, just thank you for coming on the show today, Mindy. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored. Congratulations Uh on your podcast. This is so wonderful. Well, thank you. And you know, we just we just talked here not too long ago. Mindy joined me on a call with Congressman G.T. Thompson. And many of you guys might not know, but I am a part of a group uh, that is helping to kind of lead the congressman. It's 30 producers. Uh, it's the National Agriculture Campaign Advisory Committee. And just a couple weeks ago, we had a phone call, a Zoom call with Congressman G.T., uh, where he got to hear some issues that are happening in the countryside. So Mindy, thank you for joining that call. And I guess maybe just to start, can you tell everybody who you are and and what the group does and and kind of what your focus is? Yes, thank you. We launched the Cavalry Group 13 years ago. We're actually in our 14th year. We are a member-based company that represents animal owners and animal enterprise in the 48 continental states. We are member-based, member-driven, so we are able to fight back against the radical animal rights organizations on behalf of our members, legislatively, legally, and in the media. 
So, you know, we are fervently working to protect animal ownership and ownership of private property nationwide. And honestly, I would have to say 80% of what we do actively daily is pushing back against animal rights driven legislation at the local, state and federal levels. They never rest. They're always pushing local ordinances, state legislation, federal legislation, and Everyone needs to pay attention to what's going on in their own backyard and in their legislature. It's critical because, honestly, the legislative push is ground zero to protect your rights. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of fun to think back of when our paths first crossed. So yes. 13 years ago, I was, <laughs> I was this college kid and I was getting a little feisty on some of these issues. And I guess tell a little bit about that issue that we first connected on that, that kind of brought us together. Yes, I remember that well. You, it's hard to believe it was that long ago. A lot has changed, my goodness. We came together pushing back against a ballot initiative that came to the state of Missouri called the Puppy Mill Cruelty Prevention Act, which was a, a ballot initiative also known as Proposition B. And all the agriculture associations and uh, canine associations came together to push back against this very deceptive legislation, which, uh, which, you know, as a ballot initiative, went to the vote of the people. Mm -hmm. And it was so incredibly deceptive because they made this push that it was about increased welfare for dog breeders to increase standards for dog breeders across the state of Missouri. And yet the definition of pet in the bill stated any domesticated animal living near or around the house. So that could be cattle, could be a pig, could be chickens. So we knew by reading the legislation that it was a direct attack on animal agriculture in the state of Missouri. It was very very concerning. And because we all pushed back hard, we came very close to defeating it. We lost by less than 2%. And because it was close, the legislature got busy that following legislative session after the ballot initiative passed, squeaked by, uh, I believe by voter fraud, by the way, but uh, that's another story. But the, le <laughs> the legislature got to work and removed at least the unconstitutional elements. They did yeoman's work to dismantle the really detrimental parts of that legislation that then became law. And out of that, we were able to protect a lot of dog breeders, but also animal agriculture across the state of Missouri. What was great about that is that Missourians really woke up. It wasn't just those in, in the rural areas. The urban areas of St. Louis, Kansas City, Joplin, and the Boot Heel were really tuned in to rural Missouri and paying attention to why we were opposed to this ballot initiative. And most Missourians have walked through fire on this. They pulled back the veil and realized this has nothing to do really with dog breeders. This mm -hmm. is this is an attack on private property and our food producers. So those in the liberty movement in the cities really carried uh, the water on this. And that's why it became as close as it did. So we were able to really educate a lot of people. Well, you bring up a, an important point when you said it, it wasn't just about the dogs. There, mm -hmm. I always tell people the devil's in the details and it's yes. in those definition of, of what are we talking about? What kind of animals and who is defining abuse? And another issue we saw play out all those years ago was the horse slaughter issue, which has had disastrous effects. And I remember Wayne Pacelli, uh, president of, or CEO, whatever his 
title was at Humane Society of the United States at the time. He is when people said, you know, if we take away horse slaughter, these horses are going to be left to starve in, in on these federal lands. They're going to be hauled to Mexico where they're going to be treated worse and, and have all that abuse and, and the stress of travel and and all these horrific things. And I remember him saying, which to me indicated these folks don't care about animals at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had said, if you can afford a horse, you can afford a bullet to put it down. And to me, it was so heartless, but it it showed who he was yes. and who these activist groups are. And so I think it's easy to put our head in the sand when we see uh, they're picking on the dogs or they're picking on horse carriage rides in Chicago or the wool industry or the fur industry. It's not me. I'm, a, I'm in cattle. What do I care? What do you tell the people that say that? The animal rights organizations are actually heartless. I mean, they are on a mission to eliminate animal use of every kind from our lives. Mm -hmm. And they hide behind the smokescreen of increased welfare standards when really they're just trying to eliminate everything. And they do it incrementally, which I think Prop 2 and later Prop 12 out of California was a perfect example of incrementalism at its finest. It was never about bigger confinement or bigger cages. It was about empty cages. Mm -hmm. And, and now, you know, it just, it's about putting people out of business. It's about putting people who raise, breed and work with animals out of business. And the horse slaughter issue, while very contentious for some, it is a necessary aspect of agriculture. And HSUS or the Humane Society of the United States and Wayne Pacelli put the horse industry in the in a dire circumstance with all of these unwanted horses with no avenue for relief and creating these this terrible situation for horses and horse owners with no solution. And the solution is domesticated horse processing in the United States. And now there's this federal bill that wants to shut down the borders into Canada and Mexico, further creating more bad situations for the horse industry. And again, when horse slaughter is legal in the United States, it's not a mandate for horse owners everywhere. You have to take your horses to slaughter. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. This is about the domestic herd, the rank, lame, sick horses that get dropped off on private and public lands or in a local rescue shelter, left to perish, living out the rest of its life, standing in in a dry lot. That's cruel. Why, why would you do that? So, you know, this is this, but this is what they've left us, the horse industry to contend with. And we have continued to discuss this with Congress over the years. And I'm hoping that we are advancing the ball and having them realize that it it is a necessary aspect of agriculture. Absolutely. It's these uh, side consequences to these ballot initiatives that really hurt the independent producer, the animal owners, and uh, and all, but all our voters see is that emotionalism, that emotional upfront sale, and and they're good at it. And so I I always say in agriculture we have to become very good at appealing to people's emotions too. Even though we have science and research and all the things to back what we do, yes, we're not effective at telling the story. We've lost the battle, and you know we're at the commercial break. We're going to take a quick moment to hear from our show sponsors, but I'm here with Mindy Patterson and we will be right back to talk about what's going on right now in Congress with some federal bills we should all know about. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. 
I recently joined the CK6 crew and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. I'm Amanda Radke with Mindy Patterson here in the Cavalry Group, and we're going to talk about, in this section, federal bills that we need to oppose in the 118th Congress. So Mindy, you keep a really close tab on some of these issues, and it's tough to be able to monitor everything that Congress is doing, all the things that they're shoving into, the verbiage of these laws that they're trying to to enact. And so I know you just went to Washington, D.C., you had a great trip out there. I would love to hear about that and and some of the, the bills that you visited with our congressman about while you were there. Yes, thank you. I spent a full week in Washington, D.C. two weeks ago, and uh, the purpose of the trip was primarily to make sure that some of these animal rights bills do not end up amending the 2023 Farm Bill that's going to be voted on this fall. It's a huge concern because... Animal Wellness Action, Wayne Pacelli has been boldly proclaiming that they're going to amend the Farm Bill with this legislation. And so, you know, when they say it out loud, we have to follow up. And you said something earlier that I think is really important for your listeners and followers is that they are working overtime to redefine what is considered humane treatment of animals. Mm -hmm. And we cannot allow any lawmaker, local, state, or federal, to take what these animal rights groups say and do as gospel when it comes to animal care, because people who are rooted in agriculture are the experts, right? You are the ones that they should be listening to in Congress, not Wayne Pacelli and Marty Irby and all the animal rights organizations. They just bring emotion. That's what they unpack. And when I was in Washington, D.C., that's all I heard. In fact, some people were like, I'm so glad to see you here because we don't often hear from the other side. And I while I share that not to pat ourselves on the back in any way, it's to tell your listeners, please pick up the phone and talk to your lawmakers, especially right now. August recess for Congress is the month of August. So go visit your U.S. representative and senators in their local district office during this August recess and introduce them to what you do and why it's important and the fact as a constituent, why you're opposed to the animal rights legislation that they're pushing. But the bills that we're following in D.C. right now that these animal rights groups have proclaimed that they are going to, they intend to amend the farm bill. One of those bills has to do with horse slaughter that we were just talking about. And it's called Save Forgotten Equines Act or the SAFE Act. It's uh, H.R. 3355 and Senate Bill 2732. And basically it is going to shut down the borders for transport of unwanted horses into Canada and Mexico. If you can ban transport 
of one livestock animal, they can, with a swipe of a pen, do it for other livestock animals. That's why we're so concerned about the precedent this sets. And the beef industry, the cattle industry should be very concerned about this for that very reason. And thankfully, horses are still classified as livestock. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's another thing that we're keeping an eye on to make sure that they stay classified as livestock. Um, You know that the animal rights groups are just wringing their hands to reclassify horses as companion animals, which would just be another terrible death blow to the horse industry. But this is a bill that we're watching and it's and it basically no one is really focusing on this legislation at this time. But we had some excellent conversations with key members of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees while I was in Washington, D.C. And people who are rooted in agriculture understand the importance of horse processing in the United States. And just as a quick side note, the Cavalry Group has members. We we represent everything from dog breeders to cattle ranchers to exotic animal owners. And the exotic animal owners all over the country, if they have large carnivores to feed, guess what they feed? Horse meat. Beef is too expensive to be feeding to their animals. So they're importing horse meat from Canada. So they were probably sourced from our horses in the United States. So... And, you know, it's this is a tricky issue for even folks in agriculture, I think, because people really, really love horses. And it's become this iconic picture of who we are in rural America and in the Western states. And Yellowstone has made it even more of like a center focus. And yet we're so far removed from our food anymore, even even those of us that a lot of kids and, you know, next generation grew up on it or went to grandpa's farm. But it becomes very hard to picture slaughtering a beautiful animal like a horse. And yet, as you mentioned before, number one, the consequences, the cruelty that happens if you don't have an outlet to, you know, humanely process these animals is unbelievable. But also, I think that the big red flag is that if they are defined as a pet, what it would do to the horse industry. And like you said, it sets a precedent. It'd be just as easy to do it to a cow or a pig. Yes. The precedent is very scary. And I don't believe in unintended consequences. You know, they created these dire circumstances for horses with no solution. And Mm -hmm. it's very sad. And there was a study that came out, I believe it was 2012 from the Government Accountability Office, that even it's supposed to be a neutral study that basically came out and said that the cessation of horse processing in the United States has decreased welfare for horses. I mean, they said it. And so if it's, if it's really about horse welfare, a painless quick end is far kinder to these horses than standing in a dry light or being dumped on private and public lands to, you know, slowly die. This is, this is what we're facing. And so if the animal rights groups say they're really about welfare of animals, which is a lie, this is proof. Well, and, and while we're just talking about horses, before we move on, these activist groups are actively working to eliminate the sport of rodeo. And, yes. and they don't want stockmen to be able to use horses for entertainment or recreation or 
frankly, it's it's business, these rodeos. And and so we see that happening in Los Angeles. Are you following much of that? Absolutely. So much so that that's why we went on offense. I don't like playing defense. Defense is no fun. <laughs> and we've been I playing, agree. I agree. <laughs> we've been playing defense for too long. So we came up with a piece of legislation about five or six years ago uh, in Missouri with a legislator by the name of Brian Spencer and Brian Munslinger came up with a piece of legislation to help us go on offense. And we called it the Working Animal Protection Act. And it basically protects lawful animal enterprise utilizing working animals in entertainment, exhibition, education, and transportation, and agritourism. We have successfully passed this bill in Oklahoma, Arkansas, and just recently a version of it in the state of Texas. So local municipalities can't outright ban a lawful business that utilizes working animals in those states. So the carriage industry is safe, rodeo is safe as part of entertainment and and uh, exhibition i mean this is this is serious stuff and we have um, tried to pass this legislation in several other states but we'll keep trying places like wyoming montana idaho other states in the west we'd love to get it done in south dakota and actually both Dakotas. Rodeo is such an important part of our horseback culture in the United States. And if we don't go on offense to protect our horseback culture, it will vanish. And I can't state that strongly enough. As somebody who grew up around horses and rodeo and other aspects of the horse industry, I'm very concerned. I don't think this is something that anybody should take lightly. No. Well, and and those of us in the livestock industry, your kids enjoy showing cattle. We got to experience a little bit of that during the pandemic when all of a sudden government entities could say no more youth livestock shows and, yes. and, and folks had to go underground to show their cattle and their hogs. But that's really how quickly it can happen. That's how yes. quickly it can be stripped away from you. Well, the reason your podcast is so important is because the animal rights organizations are working overtime to alter Americans' views about mm -hmm. animal use, whether it's the rodeo, food, pet ownership, all these things, the walls are closing in and they are altering Americans' views on all of these things. And you just can't escape it. It's at the grocery store, it's at restaurants, it's everywhere. And this vegan agenda that is all you know, wrap the wrapping paper around this agenda of animal rights is is really dangerous. It's very incestuous. It's everywhere. It is. I know Mindy and I could talk about this and have <laughs> for hours because we get so feisty about this. Yes. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some solutions and call to action for all of you. Because if, if you're as frustrated as we are, uh, we can't just sit on our hands and do nothing. We'll be right back. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the Deluxe Chute at Radkeyland and Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A, 
Real Tough is family owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. And we're back for the last segment of the Heart of Rural America. You know, Mindy, we've talked a lot about issues we face, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, quite frankly. And I made the mistake of thinking that it was just animal rights activists. We could have a whole a whole show talking about the environmental climate change tyrants oh that my are goodness. same same dragon, different head, basically. Yes. And, and that, to me, that's when I think folks in agriculture are falling for a little easier. They're yes. hook, line, and sinker. But the animal rights activists have gotten so good at preying on people's emotions. Yeah. And the wild thing is, is I heard once the ASPCA, which is the one with the Sarah McLaughlin commercials and the dogs and cats are crying and they ask for $19.99 a month to save the kitties or whatever. Yep. Uh, and the real focus, of course, is, is lobbying and litigating farmers and ranchers and taking us off the land. But I heard once from a, a dear friend, John Bolin, and we'll have him on the show one day, but he said they could quit getting donations today and they'd still have enough money to operate for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so all that to say, how do we fight an adversary that is so heavily powerful in D.C. and, and so heavily uh, monetized? With the truth. The fact of the matter is, is that all of your listeners, if you're engaged in any kind of animal enterprise or you raise, breed or work with animals, honestly, Congress wants to hear from you. They really want to hear from the producer. They want to hear from the people who have the hands-on care because they really do know that you're the expert. Mm -hmm. They do know that. These NGOs like the Humane Society of the United States and Animal Wellness Action, yeah, they're very well-funded because they've betrayed a lot of Americans by telling them that they care about animals when they do not. And they take mm -hmm. their money and then they do with it things to destroy animal ownership and private ownership of private property. I'm glad you brought up the environmental situation because you're right. They feather together. They're, they're of the same. And actually, the Humane Society of the United States does a lot of things to usurp ownership of land and private property. They have that land trust. They're, they're taking... Um, you know, inheritance, when people pass away, they leave their land to HSUS, which couldn't be more stupid. But honestly, that is that is what's going on. And it's all behind that veil of emotion, like you just said. So again, we need to go on offense. I don't think we should ever, as any one of us who are working in agriculture and working with animals of any kind, we should never always let these groups make us fall back on our heels and play defense. We need to go on offense and say, well, you guys aren't the experts on animal ownership or animal care. And you know what the key word here is husbandry. They're yes. trying to rob us of husbandry. And husbandry is something you don't read in books. It's something that's handed down from generation to generation. It's something that you learn by doing. It's hands-on. That is something that they do not have. And they are trying to rob us of husbandry practices. Because again, like you started off in the beginning of the, the podcast, you said they're trying to redefine what's considered 
animal welfare, what's considered humane. And so docking of tails or castration or whatever it is, whatever the practices, uh, removing dew claws from newborn puppies, those things are considered cruel by mm -hmm. animal rights groups, even though it may not be pretty and it's hard to wrap some of those things up with a bow, but they're necessary for the, for the well-being of animals. And that is just, no one knows that better than those who are rooted in agriculture. Well, and we got a real rude awakening of that during the pandemic when the Paws Act was introduced. And oh it was, gosh. I mean, unbelievable what was going on in Colorado with the governor saying we're going to solve climate change by having a meet out day. And then the Paws Act coming out, which would, I mean, it would change so many of the production practices. But what really, I think, woke people up was they said you couldn't harvest a beef animal until it reached one quarter of its natural life. And they defined a cow's natural life as 20 years. So a, a five-year-old fat steer, does that make sense to anybody? But if the average suburban soccer mom coming out of Starbucks in Denver thought yep. that this was going to improve animals' lives, yep. what? how do you think they're going to vote? And that's exactly. why we can't just get complacent. And I'm glad, you know, you brought it up. You said um, this is a great time to call people to, to let them know our side, because it's really easy to go and vote at election time. And then we don't get our way. So then we spend two to four years complaining. But if they're not hearing from us in the bad times and someone else is setting the agenda and it's scary. Amen. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you leading into that because I just ranted without asking you a question. Yep. Uh, so on your website, tell us about the website and how folks can very directly and easily contact our congressman about these issues. Awesome. Yes, thank you. We have a, a take action tab on our website. Go to thecavalrygroup.com and cavalry is spelled C-A-V-A-L-R-Y, not the church, uh, the military <laughs> infantry. And go to thecavalrygroup.com and at the top, you'll see a take action tab. If you click on that, the first drop down is legislative campaigns. And if you click on that tab, the top one says take action to urge House and Senate agriculture committees to oppose anti-agriculture amendments to the 2023 Farm Bill. And what we've done is put together a platform campaign for people to just click. All the addresses are already in there. And so your email, which you can customize, and we urge you to do so, don't just send the boilerplate example. Mm -hmm. Customize your email, make it your own, because they don't like boilerplate emails. No lawmaker does. But customize it. And when you click that, it goes to every member of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. So your email will, if you personalize it, will go straight to those committees, each member of. And it's just a great way to get your message out there. We know people are busy. It's hard to look up these email addresses and where things need to go. It takes time. And we know that in the farming and ranching communities, uh, time is of the essence and, and they don't have time to look up all these different addresses. So we've made it easy for you. So just click the tab, send your email, and they will hear from you directly as to why you are in opposition to the animal rights movement and amending anything, any, any fringe group should not be allowed to put an amendment on a farm bill. It's just not okay. And you also make it really easy by outlining what the issues are because yes. 
farmers and ranchers don't have time to research all these bills either and what's going on, the funny business happening in D.C. or or their state capitals or their local. It's yes. it's tough to track all of this stuff. So I think I think it's where, where can folks find the information on all the federal bills that you are watching right now? Basically, on our website, under the Take Action tab, it says pending. The second drop down says pending federal, state and local legislation. Great. If you just kick on click on that, we have everything listed that we're following following on the federal docket right now. So right now state legislatures are are done. So you won't find any state legislative uh, information there at this time. But come January, if you were to click that, you would see all the bills that we're following at the state and local level. But again, August recess is when Congress comes home for their town hall meetings. And since we're going to be into an election year next year, it's really important that everybody get to these meetings because they want to be reelected. Now's the time to to meet with them and make a difference by informing them as to, and that's the other takeaway I had. They don't know. A lot of these members, even if they're on the ag committee, they may not know anything about um, specifics of, about cattle ranching or about dog breeding or raising other kinds of animals. Inform them about what it is and how you make your living and why it's important and why you're concerned about the animal rights movement. Part of protecting agriculture in America is protecting from uh, enemies foreign and domestic. And these are domestic terrorists. They literally are. They're working to undo everything that that is the cornerstone of America. We have to protect it. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and you are not exaggerating when you say these folks are, are terrorists. I mean, they will do just about anything from breaking mm -hmm. into facilities and, and staging abuse and pretending they're undercover, you know, abuse videos that gotcha moments that they themselves manufactured. Uh, yes. They are relentless. Uh, during the pandemic, they many of these activist groups were proclaiming that the end of the meat, meat industry is near and that that's the reason the livestock industry is the reason we had a pandemic. I mean, they will say and do anything yes. uh, to which I guess final note, you know, people will say, you know, I'm just one person. I, I can't make a difference. I'm not powerful. I'm not connected. And, you know, oftentimes our focus is on D.C., but I always tell folks, yeah, it's great for D.C. to hear from us, but there's so much we can do on a local level yes. in our sphere of influence. Could you talk maybe a little bit about some pathways folks could get involved at the local level to kind of protect their own communities from some of this stuff? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because honestly, that's where these animal rights groups have made the most headway, which yes. is why we went on offense with that uh, preemptive legislation that I mentioned, because they were going across country at the local level. We're talking county commissioners, city council. So the action plan that you just asked for is get to know your city council, even your local school board, find out what they're teaching our kids at the local level and how they're inserting animal rights ideology into the curriculum. Get to know your county commissioners. This is so important because honestly, there's so much infiltration by these animal rights groups. They're taking seats on city councils and county commissioners and school boards, even planning and zoning. Pay attention to what's going on. They're destroying our, our ownership of private property. Uh, that's yeah. the real goal here. They they want to undo uh, our republic. 
it, it, you know, but it's taking shape and also uh, destroying animal ownership and, and animal enterprise and farming and ranching and all those things that we hold dear and that feed America and the world. And so pay attention to what's going on in your own backyard and your local government. It's not difficult. Um, I recommend people go to uh, find out who your local county council person is and county commissioner. Follow them on Facebook. Sign up for their email list. Find out when the meetings are and just attend. It's not a huge time commitment. It may be once a month for an evening, for an hour or two, you know, once a month. That way you'll know what's going on in your own backyard. Otherwise, they just bamboozle residents and sneak things through. These are sneaky people and they are trying to usurp our rights to private property and changing zoning everywhere to squeeze people out of business. And we see this on a daily basis because of what we do. As I said, we follow legislation, but we also help our members on, a, on the legal front to push back against all of this when it's already happened. And that's not what you want. We try to keep people out of court. That gets expensive. And so we're trying to head this off at the pass before these bad pieces of legislation get through. Mindy, you were the perfect guest to bring on. You you <laughs> highlight what the heart of rural America is all about. You said it very well when you said, tired of being on the defense, it's time to go on the offense. And yeah. I know we are the underdog in this fight, absolutely without question. But I also know we have grit and we have heart and we have fire and we have passion. And most importantly, and you said it, we have the truth on our side. So thank you for bringing the truth to the show today. I can promise you listeners, this will not be the last time you hear from Mindy because uh, we have much more to unpack in future episodes. I'm Amanda Radke, and this is The Heart of Rural America. Thanks for listening. The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meats by Lynn's. Founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high-quality beef in the white tablecloth space, Meats by Lynn's is a four-generation family-owned business. The Lynn's Heritage Angus program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product, a focus on using elite Angus genetics while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle, allows Fred Lins and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at linsheritageangus.com and shop for beef at shoplins.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the dusty trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the heart of rural America.